Welcome back in everyone to a fantastic new whisper in the wings from stage whisper we have some familiar faces i guess voices in this case some wonderful guests returning to talk to us about a great show we have the, the performer producer, rachel mcphee benson the performer writer and producer rob benson and I the know. performer and headliner gina tonic all returning to talk to us today about their upcoming panto, Sleeping Beauty, playing December 2nd and 9th at Caveat. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting caveat.nyc. This is so much fun. Strap in. This is going to be a blast of a conversation because if you don't know what pantos are, you're in for a treat. And we had these wonderful people on to talk about their panto recently, Peter Pan, which was at 54 Below. And it was such a fun night. And so this is the perfect holiday outing for you coming up this season. And why don't we just go ahead and welcome on our guests so they can tell you everything about it. So Rachel, Rob, and Gina, welcome back to Whisper in the Wings and Stage Whisper. Thank you so much for having us. And also... We were so happy to have you at our show last time as well. So you can see that, you know, the proof is in the pudding. It's fun. <laughs> She's fun, honey. She's a fun night. She's a fun it, night on the town. It was great. It was so, it really, it was so much fun. And with that classic tale, I was like, yes, please poke all the holes and make all the fun. And we were, it was just fun. It was just slapstick fun. And now you've got this great show, Sleeping Beauty. So Rob, I want to start with you since, you know, you're the writer of the show. Could you tell us two things? One, could you refresh our listeners about what a panto is? And then could you tell us a little bit more about what your particular panto, Sleeping Beauty, is or is about? Yeah, pantos are traditional British holiday shows done every year all across the country, usually taking a fairy tale as its base, having fantastic Come, come like comedic performances and performers, usually taking pop songs, using those as like parody numbers and things like that. And it's usually a big show for families. Everyone goes every year. Ours is more adult version. And we're doing Sleeping Beauty and poking holes in all of that, like, you know, consent and stuff like that. There's, there's a sleeping person who gets kissed by somebody. So we're uh, making fun of that. And uh, yeah, that's our panto coming. There's also some political humor, political satire, and basically just calling it all out. Calling it all out. I love this. I want to bring Rachel back in here as the performer and producer, and I want to ask, how did you all settle on Sleeping Beauty for this year's Panto in December? You know, I usually leave that to Rob when we start kind of playing around with ideas of what we want to do next. He usually just kind of decides what he wants to do. He says, I think I want to do this. And I'm like, sure, sounds great. I mean, all of these classic fairy tales are just rife with problems. So anyone that you choose, you're going to have a lot of material to call out. So, and like I was saying before we started recording, it's very interesting as we've been starting to promote this and talk to people about it. How many people have said that Sleeping Beauty is like one of their favorite Disney movies or one of their favorite fairy tales. I've just found that so fascinating because as a child, that was certainly not my favorite Disney movie. So the response and the excitement I think about doing Sleeping Beauty has been really cool. And also just, I'm surprised at how many people love Sleeping Beauty. That That is fantastic. And I, I agree with you. It's one of those, hmm, would have thought Cinderella or something would be up there, but no, there's Sleeping Beauty. 
Well, Gina Tonic, our performer and headliner, I want to bring you on now. And I want to ask, this is your second panto that I've, I will be seeing you in with this group. What has it been like developing this piece so far? Yeah, it's been really fun to develop. I mean, just from the very first read through, the read through I had of reading at home by myself was laugh out loud funny. Like, I remember like my boyfriend, my boyfriend in grad school getting his MFA in directing. And so he's usually like reading like very serious, like Brechtian acting theory books. And then like I was sitting next to him reading the Panto script and I was giggling out loud like every five lines because this script like is really so solid I feel like Peter Pan was really based a lot on this sort of if for those who saw the show this conceit that the show like wasn't going very well kind of like a Peter Pan gone wrong sort of a thing and so I think that was like the source of a lot of the comedy in that production whereas in this one it really is much more like straightforward Sleeping Beauty and so a lot of the comedy purely is just from like all these like one-liners and jokes and things that are in the script and it's very very funny we had our first rehearsal yesterday which was a blast to be back with the crew again and yeah I'm really excited about developing this character and delving into it more that's fantastic yes and I cannot wait to see what what jokes and and all the mystery stuff that you bring to the stage with this show i'm so excited you really you you know how to work an audience and it was wonderful absolutely she wonderful. sure does she sure does thank you rob as the writer as you're the one putting all of this together on the on the page what's it been like developing the piece it's really interesting you know i'd start with the the problem first that's always what kind of in my mind it's like what's the problem with this fairy story and where can i go from there so yeah, it's usually kind of getting to that, getting to that moment and just like building around it. And then it was just really fun to think about uh, the three fairies, the good fairies, and then obviously Maleficent, who in, in our version is malignant, and just kind of working out that and how that can look and how that looks for a modern audience. And yeah, playing around with the, the fairies and the magic was a really a fun, a fun one for me. So I think those are my kind of favorite characters and everyone else has been kind of based around them. And I think one thing that I want to call out about Rob's writing is we're very fortunate in that we sort of have a kind of close-knit group of performers. So he knows who he's writing for. So it's really cool to read the script and just be able to imagine those people doing those roles. He really writes to people's strengths and really writes for them. So that's another fun aspect as we develop these these pieces every year. Yeah, writes very fast. It's like I've got my own old-fashioned rep company that I'm writing for, and it's just like because I've got those voices in my head, which, you know, some people might think it's disastrous having voices in your head, but I do. It's it's really cool just to know those voices and know what I'm doing and know who I'm writing for. I love that. Rob, I want to start with this next question with you and ask, is there a message or a thought you hope audiences take away from the show? I think it's, you know, with traditional fairy tales and looking at, especially when you're looking at kings and queens and stuff, it's people having their own destiny and, you know, not being controlled by outer forces of like, you know, especially like with the royals and stuff, just all that duty and stuff like that. And actually like, what if a girl was born now 
into a royal family? And what if she did have her own agency? And what if she did want to do what she wanted to do? And yeah, so I think that's kind of the message of, of people being able to live their own way and how they want to. It's a lovely message. Rachel, how about you? You're the other producer and you're performing in this as well. What is the message or thought you hope audiences will take away? Yeah, I mean, I think for the panto, it just always comes down to, for me, just a joyful expression of inclusivity. Just all are here to play. Everyone is welcome. Let's all just laugh together and just celebrating all of our unique differences. Like, I mean, I know that might sound cheesy, but that really, I, I just feel like it's just like a big warm hug of yeah. inclusivity. And I hope people feel like safe and comfortable in the environment that we foster for our, for our audience. Love that. My final question for this first part of the interview, I want to bounce to our, our wonderful headliner, Gina Tonic, and I want to ask, who do you hope have access to Sleeping Beauty? Oh, wow. Well, I did get asked this last time, and I think my answer has not changed much. Last time, my answer was people with lots of money and agents and managers, and I am still <laughs> seeking representation because representation matters. So any agents, managers, Broadway producers, off-Broadway producers, I'm not picky. Come see this show. Come see how talented and funny I am. And book me for your productions of La Cage of Faux, Angel America, Havoc and the Angry Inch, Down and Do Some Twelfth Night, Cross-Dressing. I'm your diva. Come find me, book me, hire me. Let's do it. 2024. Calendar's wide open. Yes. <laughs> That's, That's my pitch. That's my pitch. I love it. One thing just like to plug into the accessibility comment. Yes, we want like Mr. Moneybags to come to the show and be like, you're going to Broadway. I love this show and your message. But one thing that I'll call out about this year's production is that we're at a venue that doesn't have any drink minimums. So mm. the ticket price point is going to be a lot lower and more friendly to our artist friends. So very, very excited about that as I think that it will open open it up to, to bring more folks in. And That's Rachel, cool. I would like to add, the venue also has no drink maximum as well. So yeah, yeah. so you know, you do you. Have zero, have 10, whatever, whatever. But How, you're not going to force you. We're not going to force you to do anything. How much audience participation are you after, you know? to our second part of the interview and we had you all on we got to know you a little bit the last time but i'm gonna keep digging a little bit and i'm gonna ask you all first of all how did you all get into the performing arts and rachel i want to start with you on that so my dad was a community theater director like a beloved renowned pillar of the community so i basically just grew up in a rehearsal room my mom was getting her master's degree and a source of free childcare was for me to be at rehearsal. So I just grew up watching rehearsal and quickly was like, I want to do that. And to this day, I'm always surprised that not everybody wants to be an actor. Like I literally can't believe that people want to be other things. So 
I feel like it was just in the blood, as they say. I think I did my first show when I was five. I did the best Christmas pageant ever. I don't know if you're familiar. There's like a little girl who gets like slapped by the Herdman's. She like runs off stage crying. That was me. So yeah, it's just something that I've been doing my entire life and is always something that I wanted to do. I love that. Love that. That's a wonderful way to get into the theater. Rob, how about you? I'm the other end of the scale. My family are not in the theater in any way, shape or form. And so I don't really know how I kind of thought about it, but I just really loved movies and theater and it, and telling stories. Telling stories has always just appealed to me. So I guess I was about like 12, I think, when I was in I was in the Boys' Brigade, which is like a scout, a kind of a British scout kind of thing. And they had a stage show. And then suddenly I was like, I want to be in this. And my mom was like, you do? And I was like, yes. So I did. And I did sketches and comedy. And then my brother was in it too. And we did the Blues Brothers at one point. It was very fun. And yeah, so it came from nowhere, really. I was a bit of an anomaly that suddenly went, I want to do theatre. And then it stuck. I got to the end of, end of school. And I, I distinctly remember the, the girls' physical education teacher asking me what I was going to do with my life. It was very funny. All my friends were very academic and they had like the headmaster and they had uh, the deputy head and stuff. And I had the girls' PE teacher asking me what I was going to do with my life. And I went, oh, I'm going to go and be an actor. And she was like, oh, very nice. Bye. And that was it. Off we went to be an actor. Wow, I love that. I I also love, I want to mention to you listeners that Rob and Rachel are married. So the fact that the two of you have such opposite ways of getting into the performing arts, but now this is what you do, I absolutely adore. No one can say theater is not family or doesn't start families yeah. or what have you, you know? It's very true. And we met in drama school, actually, back in 2005, dating myself a little here. And we also have a child who is convinced he's going to be in Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> and has already demanded that he be one of the evil pigs, which we were like, um, buddy, are you thinking of the right movie? There, there's no evil pigs in Sleeping Beauty. But, dear listener, check out the Disney version of Sleeping Beauty because there are indeed a gaggle of like demonous animals that are Maleficent's little henchmen. I look like pigs. So... You know, Maybe, just I would assume that your child also knows that Rob's a writer, so he's like, "You can write me in as an evil pig. You got this." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants yeah. to be. He wants to be in it. He is. The, he is demanding. I've yeah. already told the cast that we have to have like a faux performance where he just comes and like is the evil pig, and everyone just like claps, and then the babysitter like takes him away after we like satisfy <laughs> his dreams. I love that. I feel like once Reggie's old enough, it's inevitable we'll have to do Jack and the Beanstalk, of course. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that one. Well, Gina, I'm dying to know, how did you get into the performing arts? Yeah, so I actually got into the performing arts by force. I had no friends in middle school because it's hard being a gay boy in the late 90s, early 2000s. So my mom was like, you were going to be in choir. And I was like, no way, Jose. And, you know, you're nine, 10 years old. So you you have no choice. You're not getting picked up from school. You're going to choir. So I went to choir. I sang my little heart out. I was not only in the choir. I was like 
the like choir teacher helper, like arranging the sheet music. And then I was in like one of the school plays. I played, of course, the Charlie in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, like first leading role. Yes. So iconic. I really wanted to be Willy Wonka, but I think that I'm more of an ingenue. So Charlie was more (laughs) me. And then, yeah. And then it's sort of just kept going from there. You know, I think once you pop, the fun don't stop. And so I ended up majoring in theater in college. I was really torn between, because I also love like draw and paint and things like that and doodle. And so I was really torn between going into majoring for digital animation or theater. And I thought, you know, I feel like theater will be more useful. (laughs) <laughs> it's like an English degree, kind of. <laughs> Woo! behold, like literally now, like digital animation is everywhere. Everything. This is like right before like Frozen came out, you know? So like, it wasn't as big as it is now. And now I'm like, gosh, darn it. I really wish I had just gotten that digital animation degree because who knows where I'd be now, but probably not in a tiny little one bedroom in Queens. I'll say that much. That track um, though for you, Gina, because you make such beautiful costumes and looks. Right. Your- and I think that's like one of the fun things about drag is that, you know, I have this visual arts background and this performing arts background. And the cool thing about drag is you really can do both, you know, because I do like makeup art and yeah, I make various costumes and things. And I was already discussing with our costume designer for the panto what my opening look might look like. So that'll be very fun. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Love that. What a great way. All of you, what a great way you got into the performing arts. Well, I want to ask all of you now, I know you've been very busy putting this piece together, but have any of you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? I have. I had a two-show day on Saturday. One, both, And both, I think, were two of the best shows I saw all year. One has since closed, which was Pal Joey at New York City Center. And I found it got some very polarizing reviews. You either loved it or you hated it. I thought it was one of the best things I've ever seen this entire year, mainly because they sort of, I wouldn't even say, I mean, they rewrote the show, but they also kind of reformulated it and really made it about jazz music. And so a lot of the music just sort of like, truly erupted from like the scene of the dialogue in a very like almost improvised way in the way that like jazz music would. And there were just some just truly beautiful magical moments. So wonderful. Such a refreshing take on like an 80 year old musical. Loved it. I also saw Marry Me at New York Theater Workshop, which is this lesbian sex farce, basically. Rachel. <laughs> but so it takes the story of Euripides the Oristia and mixes it with like Twelfth Night by Shakespeare and Angels in America, if you can believe me. And it is, it was written by Hansel Jung, who I think is one of the best playwrights. And our last podcast, if you remember, I quoted Wolf Play as being one of my favorite recent shows. And she also wrote that. But it is just like a truly like, just so funny. And like, I was sitting there like, this must be how they felt in like 2000 BC watching those original Greek comedies because it like had that very body humor, but it was like written in a way for like a modern audience. And like, yeah, it was fantastic. It's still running. I told everyone in the cast to go see it. It's so great. Go see it. It's wonderful. New York Theater Workshop. It runs, I think for like another week or two. 
Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Anything from you, Rachel or Rob? Well, one thing that I want to call out that we saw recently that was more of like an experience that I thought was really valuable is that last month or in September, oh my gosh, time just flies. We went to see a matinee of Here Lies Love. For this matinee though, they were doing free childcare with ticket purchase. And it was the the PAAL, Parent Artist Advocacy League for Performing Arts and Media. And I just thought that was so fantastic. I know this organization has been doing this more and more for Broadway and off-Broadway shows, but it was just, you know, because it is really difficult for working artists, working parents to, you know, have time at the theater, which is, you know, unfortunately something that's quite expensive nowadays, and then pair it with childcare, which is also quite expensive. And I, I just thought that was tremendous. And I would love to see more of that. And it was just, it, it's something that I want to support as as kind of like a movement for parents and the arts to to have that support yes we went to we did go to see sesame street though uh, sesame street live as a family that was fun yes that we did fun. we did yeah, we you're did. right the whole like family and that was great to like you know watch reggie at the theater which he just like he, this kid sits still for like a, you know however long that show was and he's mesmerized and it's like when he knows all his characters and he's waiting for his character and characters to turn up he had a good old time it was very fun and why he I was mad it. at the end that he couldn't go on the stage though he was yes <laughs> i love that well i want to ask my favorite question to all three of you one more time and that is of course what is your favorite theater memory and since you've been here before what is another of your favorite theater memories? I guess my my favorite was uh, as I was playing Sir Eglamour. It was the first time I was on stage with Rachel McPhee. That's probably my one of my favorite. And I think we were in a fight just before we went on to oh. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> oh, that yeah. I was playing awesome. in drama school. We were doing two gents and I was Sylvia. And yeah. he was Sir Eglamour. And I was, they did this version that was sort of like, Hollywood glamour yeah and it was funny because I was one of the only Americans in our program in London but for this version they like made everybody do American accents apparently I was like the inspiration <laughs> <laughs> but yes that 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 was a that, those were good times god that was a long time ago I think I was bringing suitcases on to you That's yeah 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 you were giving because we're gonna like run away that. whatever so I was like this first time I'm on stage but I do think we had we, we had a disagreement before we were on the stage. That was fun. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Times have not changed. No, we, we're still <laughs> fighting. We're still fighting now before we go on a do scene. So there we go. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. It is. On <laughs> <laughs> the genius, like, Gina's like, Gina's like silent. Gina's it, like, it, it is not true. Rob and Rachel are the cutest backstage. Like, I remember. They had a huge quick change going from Mr. and Mrs. Darling to Kevin Hook and Smee. And it was very cute, like watching them like help each other, like do the costume change, like check in. Like it was so sweet to watch them backstage together. So that, that is a lie. They did. I'm <laughs> you know, you gotta have your like, persona. Your persona is like, you know. Someone like did you. say though that like me as Captain Hook and Rob as Smee is like just pure absolute genius, like art imitating life, like all of the things. So, but then my favorite was watching Rachel as Mrs. Darling last year. She was so funny, so funny. Yes, yes. 
Good times. I'm trying to think. I don't know if I said this memory last time we were here, but we were, when we got married, we had to get legally married before we had like a big party wedding. So to like secure Rob's like visa, et cetera. So the day that one of our friends could officiate was the day of like the last day of a show that I was in and that I was also producing. So a bunch of us came to our apartment and got married. It was around the holidays, got married in front of my Christmas tree and then went to the theater to do this closing night of our show. And I was wearing this white dress and it was like two one acts. And the woman in the one act, the first one act was, it was like the story of like a bride, like a wedding. And I was helping her with her costume, which was a wedding dress. And it like broke, like her, like no zipper, like didn't work, like whatever. And she was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I was like, oh snap. I was wearing this cream colored dress, like my like wedding dress, like today when I got married, you want to wear this? And she was like, sure. So it was kind of cute. She performed like our final production in like my wedding dress and then finished the show went out, stayed out all night afterwards at the Neptune Diner on our official wedding night. And to this day, when we go to the Neptune Diner, we have, which is a famous diner in Astoria, to this day, when we go there, we have what we call our waiter who was there when we got married. And he always gives us like a piece of cake or like something cute or something like that when he's there. So that, oh, no. I don't think I said that memory the last time. No, no, no. That's new. I love that. Oh, it's so cute. Wonderful memory there. Well, Gina, bring us home with this one. What's one of your favorite theater memories? Okay. Well, this was surprising nobody, but when I was a child, my sister and I used to put on like shows in the living room, of course, as one does. And, you know, me being a Cancer Sun, Virgo Moon, Sagittarius Rising, <laughs> um, you know, I, I really made sure it was, like, very, very, very planned out as of five minutes before the show started, very, very well, intricately rehearsed as of not at all. And, you know, and I think my parents were having, like, we having, like, a family barbecue or something, and there was, like, aunts and uncles and cousins and everyone there. So I was like, oh my God, like, this is my chance. There are people here who are going to see me do these magic tricks that I got for my birthday that I don't know how to use because I didn't read the directions because I don't know how to read. And I'm going to give them like this show of a lifetime, like multi-talented. I'm going to sing, I'm going to do magic tricks and annoy them like crazy. And I remember like doing this show and like forcing my sister to like be like the co-star slash assistant for the magician and putting on this show in the living room and literally like no one paying attention everyone like kind of egging me on and like I got so mad and I threw a fit and I was like you're all a crappy audience yeah and my parents will always remind me of the time I had like a full-on meltdown because no one was watching the show that I worked very hard not at all on yeah (laughs) I hope you don't do that to the audience of Sleeping Beauty though actually I kind of am here for it like you're not listening to me <laughs> that's exactly what it was like listen better <laughs> well gina that was I a do. wonderful that's- memory so thank you so much for sharing that i love that Lo- i love all of those memories they're fabulous you none of you cease to bring your a game on that question when you're here so i love it 
Well, that will lead to our final question then, which is if our listeners would like more information about Sleeping Beauty or about any of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do so? You can visit rnrproductions.net. There's a link, there's a there's a panto link there that'll take you to caveat.nyc. There's my website, rachelmcphee.com. There's contact information there. Follow me on Instagram at RL McPhee. Oh, and also definitely follow at NYC Panto to get all the like, you know, little BTS details and information about the cast, et cetera, et cetera. This is robbenson.com. You can find all of my stuff there. So you've got my writing, you've got my voiceover. Because listen to my dulcet tones. Hi. <laughs> so yeah, that's all there. Check me out. And Gina? Yeah, you can find me on all social media platforms, Gina Tonic NYC. That's Gina Tonic like who I am, NYC like where I am, because I'm always drunk and I always forget those two things. <laughs> well, Rachel, Rob, Gina, thank you all so much for stopping by again and sharing this exciting new show and everything else. It's always so much fun to talk to the three of you. I could talk to you all day, just rattle on about whatever, but I really appreciate the time today and sharing everything. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. My guests today have been the performer and producer, Rachel McPhee Benson, the performer, writer, and producer, Rob Benson, and the performer and headliner, Gina Tonic. They were here today to talk to us about their upcoming panto, Sleeping Beauty, playing December 2nd and 9th at Caveat. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting caveat.nyc. And we also have some other contact information for our guests, which we'll be posting on our social media post as well as on our episode description. But make sure you hurry right now. Get your tickets to Sleeping Beauty at Caveat, December 2nd and 9th. You will not regret it. Panto is amazing. You'll have a wonderful night. And this is the perfect holiday event happening here in New York. It's where you want to be. We're going to be there. We'll keep you posted about when we're attending. But it's December 2nd and 9th at Caveat Sleeping Beauty. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones. Unwrap your candies. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our brand new website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.